Chapter seventy nine of The Wanderer, or Female Difficulties. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Wanderer, or Female Difficulties, by Fanny Burney. Chapter seventy nine. At this moment, a horseman, who had advanced full gallop, hastily dismounting, inquired aloud whether any French gentleman had lately arrived. All who were present pointed to the foreigner, who, not hearing, or affecting not to hear the demand, began pushing away the women that he might follow Juliet. The horseman approaching asked the foreigner his name. Qu'est-ce que cela vous fait? he answered. You must come with me into the inn, the horseman replied, after steadfastly examining his face. The foreigner, with a loud oath, refused to stir. The horseman, holding out a paper, clapped him upon the shoulder, saying that he was a person who had been looked for some time, in consequence of information which had been lodged against him, and that he was to be sent out of the kingdom. This declaration made, he called upon the master of the house to lend his assistance, for keeping the arrested person in custody, till the arrival of the proper officers of justice. The man, at first, could find no vent for his rage, except horrid oaths and tremendous imprecations. But when he was positively seized with the menace of being bound hand and foot, if he offered any opposition, he swore that his wife, at least, should accompany him, and put forth his hand towards the chaise, to drag out Juliet. But Juliet was saved from his grasp by the landlady, who humanely, upon seeing her almost expiring condition, had entered the carriage, during the dispute, with a vial of sal volatile. The horseman, who was a peace officer, said that he had no orders to arrest any woman. She might come, or stay, as she pleased. The foreigner vociferously claimed her, uttering execrations against all who unlawfully withheld her, or would abet her elopement. He would then have passed round to the other door of the chaise, to seize her by force, but the peace-officer, who was habitually deaf to any appeal, and resolute against any resistance, compelled him, though storming, raging, and swearing, his face distorted with fury, his under-jaw dropped, and his mouth foaming, to re-enter the inn. Juliet received neither relief nor fresh pain from what passed. Though no longer fainting, terror and excess of misery operated so powerfully upon her nerves, that his cries assailed her ears but as outrage upon outrage, and though clinging to the landlady, with instinctive entreaty for support, she was so disordered by her recent fainting, and so absorbed in the belief that she was lost, that she knew not what had happened, nor suspected any impediment to her forced journey till the landlady, now quitting her, advised her to have a room and lie down, saying that no wife could be expected to follow such a brood of a husband to jail. Amazed, she inquired what was meant, and was answered that her husband was in the hands of justice. The violence of the changed, yet mixed sensations, with which she was now assailed, made every pulse throb with so palpitating a rapidity 
that she felt as if life itself was seeking a vent through every swelling vein. But when again she was pressed to enter the house, and not to accompany her husband to prison, she shuddered, her head was bowed down with shame, and, making a motion that supplicated for silence, she seemed internally torn asunder with torturing incertitude how to act. During this instant, it was scarce more, of irresolution, the landlady alighted, and the chaise was driven abruptly from the door. But Juliet had scarcely had time for new alarm, ere she found that she had only been removed to make way for another carriage, from the window of which she caught a glimpse of Sir Jasper Harrington. Nor had she escaped his eye, her straw bonnet having fallen off, without being missed, while she fainted, her head was wholly without shade. With all speed in his power, the baronet hobbled to the chaise. She covered her face, sinking with every species of confusion and distress. "'Have I the honour," he cried, "'to address Miss Granville, the Honourable Miss Granville?' "'Good heaven!' Juliet, astonished and raising her head, exclaimed. "'If so, I have the dulcet commission.' he continued, to escort her to her brother and sister, Lord Melbury and Lady Aurora Granville. "'Is it possible? Is it possible?' cried Juliet, in an ecstasy that seemed to renovate her whole being. "'I dare not believe it. Oh, Sir Jasper, dear, good, kind, generous Sir Jasper, delude me not in pity!' "'No, fairest siren,' answered Sir Jasper, in a rapture nearly equal to her own. If there be any delusion to fear, tis poor I must be its victim. Oh, take me then at once, this instant, this moment, take me to them, my benevolent, my noble friend. If indeed I have a brother, a sister, give me the heaven of their protection. Sir Jasper, enchanted, invited her to honour him by accepting a seat in his chaise. With glowing gratitude she complied though the just returning roses faded from her cheeks as she alighted, upon perceiving Harley, aloof and disconsolate, fixed like a statue, upon a small planted eminence. Yet but momentarily was the wider hue prevalent, and her skin, the next instant, burned with blushes of the deepest dye. This transition was not lost upon Harley. His eye caught, and his heart received it, with equal avidity and anguish. Ah, why, thought he, so sensitive, why at this period of despair must I awaken to a consciousness of the full extent of my calamity? Yet all his resentment subsided. To believe that she participated in his sentiments had a charm so softening, so all-subduing, that, even in this crisis of torture and hopelessness, it dissolved his whole soul into tenderness. Juliet, faintly articulating, Oh, let us be gone! moved, with cast-down eyes, to the carriage of the baronet, forced, from remaining weakness, to accept the assistance of his groom, Sir Jasper not having strength, nor Harley courage, to offer aid. Sir Jasper demanded her permission to stop at Salisbury for his valet and baggage. "'Anywhere, anywhere,' answered the shaking Juliet, "'so I go but to Lady Aurora.' Astonished and thrilled to the soul by these words, 
Harleigh, who unconsciously had advanced, involuntarily repeated, Lady Aurora? Lady Aurora Granville? Unable to answer, or to look at him, the trembling Juliet, eagerly laying both her hands upon the arm of the baronet, as, cautiously, he was mounting into the carriage, supplicated that they might be gone. A petition thus seconded, from so adored a suppliant, was irresistible. He kissed each fair hand that thus honoured him, and had just accepted the offer of Harleigh to aid his arrangements, when the furious prisoner, struggling with the peace officers, and loudly swearing, reappeared at the inn door, clamorously demanding his wife. The tortured Juliet, with an impulse of agony, cast now the hands that were just withdrawn from the baronet upon the shoulders of Harleigh, who was himself fastening the chaise-door, tremulously, and in a tone scarcely audible, pronouncing, "'Oh, hurry us away, Mr. Harleigh, in mercy, in compassion!' Harleigh, bowing upon the hands which he ventured not to touch, but of which he felt the impression with a pang indescribable, called to the postillion to drive off full gallop. With a low and sad inclination of the head, Juliet, in a faltering voice, thanked him, involuntarily adding, "'My prayers, Mr. Harleigh, my every wish for happiness, will for ever be yours.' The chaise drove off, but his groan, rather than sigh, reached her agonized ear, and in an emotion too violent for concealment, yet to which she durst allow no vent, she held her almost bursting forehead with her hand, breathing only by smothered sighs, and scarcely sensible to the happiness of an uncertain escape, while bowed down by the sight of the misery that she had inflicted where all that she owed was benevolence, sympathy, and generosity. Not even the delight of thus victoriously carrying off a disputed prize could immediately reconcile Sir Jasper to the fear of even the smallest disorder in the economy of his medicines, anodynes, sweetmeats, and various whims, which, from long habits of self-indulgence, he now conceived to be necessaries, not luxuries. But when, after having examined in detail that his travelling apparatus was in order, he turned smilingly to the fair meed of his exertions, and saw the deep absorption of all her faculties in her own evident affliction, he was struck with surprise and disappointment, and, after a short and mortified pause, "'Can it be, fair enigma?' he cried that it is with compunction you abandon this Gaelic Goliath? Surprised, though this question, from the keen anguish of speechless suffering, retrospection, and anticipation alike, gave way to gratitude, and she poured forth her thanks, her praises, and her wondering delight, at this unexpected and marvellous rescue, with so much vivacity of transport, and so much softness of sensibility for his kindness, that the enchanted Sir Jasper, losing all forbearance, in the interest with which she languished to learn, more positively, her history and her situation, renewed his entreaties for communication, with an urgency that she now, for many reasons, 
no longer thought right to resist. Anxious herself, since concealment was at an end, to clear away the dark appearances by which she was surrounded, and to remove a mystery that, for so long a period, had made her owe all good opinion to trust and generosity. She pondered, nevertheless, and sighed, ere she could comply. It was strange to her, she said, and sad, to lift up the veil of secrecy to a new, however interesting and respectable acquaintance, while to her brother, her sister, and her earliest friend, she still appeared to be enveloped in impenetrable concealment. Yet, if to communicate the circumstances which had brought her into this deplorable situation, could show her sense of the benevolence of Sir Jasper, she would set apart her repugnance, and gather courage to retrace the cruel scenes of which he had witnessed the direful result. Her inestimable friend had already related the singular history of all that had preceded their separation, but uninformed herself of the dreadful events by which it had been followed, she could go no further, otherwise from a noble openness of heart, which made all disguise painful, if not disgusting to her, Sir Jasper would already have been satisfied. The baronet, ashamed, would now have withdrawn his petition, but Juliet no longer wished to retract from her engagement. End of chapter 79 Recording by Roxana Nazari